Hello everybody and welcome back to our journey through Mark. We are back after a brief hiatus and it's great to have you here with us. Today we will be looking at chapter 3 of Mark verses 13 to 35. This is quite a long passage today and it is it, it will be in two sections. We will skim through the choosing of the 12 which is verses 13 to 19 now as we do that it's only fair we read that first part jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted and they came to him he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These were twelve ordinary men who were chosen by an extraordinary Savior. There are some things that we find there. First of all, verse 13, he called to him those he wanted. He chose them, 13b, and they came to him. So, in our salvation story, Jesus seeks us out. He calls us, but we have a part to play. We have to willfully or willingly come to him. Then he appointed 12, that's verse 14, that they might be with him. Not There are three things there. First of all, that they might be with him. That's enjoy his presence. And that he might send them out. That gives them purpose. Then to have, that's verse 15, and to have authority to drive out demons. That's power. When you come to Jesus, you enjoy the presence, his presence, just being in fellowship with him. Then you have a purpose to reach out to others, to call others, and he gives you power. Then we have the list of the 12. To me, it sounds like a Hall of Fame or movie credits. And that's why lists are important in the Bible. We know that all scripture is God-ordained and breathed. Yet there are those times when you look at these genealogies and when you look at these lists of who did what and where and when and in Genesis, who begot who, and you wonder, what does this have to do with anything? 
Yet, if you played a minor part in a movie, I'm sure you would be watching those credits as they scroll up to see your name there. Lists are important. So that's the appointing of the 12th, which is the first part of our discussion today. The second part is verses 20 to 35. And here, in the words of C.S. Lewis, we are going to ask ourselves, is Jesus a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or is he Lord? We will also look at the unforgivable sin or what Jesus termed as an unforgivable sin. Back to what C.S. Lewis had asked about the trilemma, whether Jesus is a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. His family thinks he's lost it. He's a lunatic. Pharisees say he's possessed by a demon, hence designating him a liar. And incidentally, Satan is called the deceiver. Then we'll see in verse 29, that the Holy Spirit affirms that He is Lord. My question to you is, what about you? What about me? What's our take on Jesus? Verses 20 to 21, Jesus entered a house And again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. So his family thinks he's cuckoo. He comes to a house, and the crowds cannot have enough of him. Jesus and his disciples can't even get some downtime. Now the crowds, of course, are drawn to his miracle power. And his family went to take charge of Jesus, basically to seize him. The question is, did did Mary, who remembered, because the Bible tells us that all the things that the angel said about Jesus, she kept them to her heart and meditated. Did she think so too? Or was it that maternal instinct that wanted to protect her son? As we said in the nativity story, she kept all these things in her heart. Anyway, let's skip to the end and then we'll come back. Our journey today will be quite interesting. In verse 31, Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone to call him. A crowd, that's verse 32, a crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Verse 33, Who are my brother and my mother? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, 
These are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So his family arrives. The question is, did Jesus deny his earthly family? Or did this diminish his love for them? If you skip forward to the book of Acts, a few months later, literally a few months later, they are among those waiting in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. James and Jude, in their letters, each calls himself a slave of Jesus Christ. These are his brothers. So we see obedience and submission from his family. So, was he a lunatic? The real question here was who has a genuine relationship with Jesus? And he answers himself in verse 34 when he says, when he looks at those seated in a circle around him and says, Here are my mother and my brothers. Verse 35, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. The relationship that matters is obedience to the will of the Father. Obedience is a big deal. Now let's go back to the middle part. You know, I spent 12 years of my life in the Midwest, which is called flyover states where you just fly over things so we kind of had a flyover thing here where we took off and then we landed so let's go back to the flyover states verse 22 actually we can read it uh, 22 to 31st and then discuss a little bit and the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said he is possessed by Beelzebul by the prince of demons he is driving out demons so jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables how can satan drive out satan if a kingdom is divided against itself that kingdom cannot stand if a house is divided against itself that house cannot stand and if satan opposes himself and is divided he cannot stand his end has come in fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. Verse 22, the Pharisees are saying he's possessed by Beelzebub. Basically, he's powered by hell itself. Now, the question is, does the talk of an unforgivable sin contradict the nature of God as being all-forgiving? Now, the claim about Beelzebub was a party line for the Pharisees. Luke has a separate account of the same claim. 
Insanity doesn't explain the supernatural power. And they had to come up with a reason. He's doing all these miracles so they cannot say he's lost his mind. They're unwilling to admit that it's God. So they go to the other supernatural power for an excuse. The term Beelzebub means Lord of the High Place. It was the name of a god from Ekron. And Jews had corrupted the name to Beelzebul, which is what we see here. Which means Lord of the Manure or Lord of Dung. Either way, it was derived from Baal. Remember the god Baal in the Old Testament? So basically they are saying Jesus is an idol worshiper. He is powered by demons. That's why he's doing all these miraculous signs and wonders. In verse 23, he calls them to himself in front of anyone and gives them a logical absurdity that Satan isn't out to destroy his own kingdom. It's ridiculous. And then he gives the logical conclusion in verse 27 that Jesus is stronger than Satan and only one person we know is stronger than Satan. And we know who that is, right? God the Father. So who is Jesus? Jesus is God. He has the same power as God the Father. That's why when Jesus says that no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up, then he can plunder that house. Jesus came to set captives free from the devil's grasp. Jesus plundered the strong man's house, which means he is stronger than Satan, which means he is God. That's a mic drop moment for Jesus. Now, as far as the eternal sin is concerned, the eternal sin for them was saying that Jesus is demonic. And for you and I, if that's your final response or conclusion to the whole revelation of Jesus, then that's an eternal sin. Jesus is revealed through the Holy Spirit. And denying him grieves the spirit. That's apostasy. We see in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3, asking how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation. Have you ever seen someone give up hope on someone else? Here is God saying, he's done everything for you to believe and the choice is yours. So as we conclude today, 
my question for you is who is Jesus to you is he a lunatic is he a liar or is he lord over your life the answer to that has eternal implications Thank you for hanging in there. Next week we'll be looking at chapter 4. At least the first part of chapter 4 which is a parable of the sower. And until then, may God bless you. Thank you. Bye.